But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. My name is Jenna, and I am also a newly newly joined on the, the leadership team. Um, and this morning, we are continuing our conversation about women in leadership. Uh, if you've been with us the last two weeks, uh, two weeks ago, Dave Arnold talked about unity, and he opened the conversation about how do we abide in one another and live with each other and have conversations that are difficult and enter those conversations with humility um, and preface that for us to enter a conversation about women in leadership. And last week, Matt talked about scripturally, um, biblically, where we see um, scriptures about women in leadership and how we've seen so many examples of strong leaders in um, the stories presented, and he shared with us um, some of that to set us up for our dialogue. So this morning, we want to talk, continue that conversation and talk about women in leadership. And actually, we want to kind of extend that to talk about gender roles and how that exists. And we recognize that this is a conversation that so many of us at St. Clair come from different church backgrounds, come from different cultural contexts. Um, and this conversation can be a conversation that carries a lot of baggage for people, um, that Maybe we just don't even really know what that conversation looks like, and we want to open that conversation. Um, so if you haven't, if you didn't hear those two messages, you can go back and listen to them on the podcast, because I think that sets us up well. Um, but this morning, th- luckily for you, I'm not going to share all the, the stuff about women in leadership. I'm going to invite um, three really awesome, strong women in our community, Miranda, Marseille, and Michelle, to come forward. Um, and they're going to share with us their journey of, of leadership, of being a woman in the church, and what that has meant to them. And so, um, yeah, I'll invite you to come and join me up here. And, and so I also wanted to talk about why this is important, why it's important to us to have um, these, these three women, but more importantly, like broadcasting and sharing stories of women in our community. Um, it's important that we hear stories of, of difficulty. I mean, we've been chatting about what it's looked like to be women in leadership or women in the church. And there are some difficult stories, some stuff that bring up yucky emotions or just like weird stuff that's come up. And it's important that we, we share that because sometimes when we're removed from those stories, it's easy for us to ignore that that's happening. And we just think, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good with women in leadership. We have some people up front and, and we've, we love the women in our church and that's great. And then we want to extend the conversation. So it's important for that, but then also that we can support and encourage um, these women. So to start us off, I'm going to ask a few questions, and um, they'll each sort of share from their perspective. We're, we're hoping to kind of share past and present and future of where, where, where we are in your journey. So if you can start with telling us a little bit about how you've encountered God, and then specifically how God has called you, and um, yeah, your calling as a woman. I will start, I guess. Um, I think... So for me, how I experience God is largely, I think um, Dave said it very well the other day, he described our church community as one of 
uh, contemplative charismatics. And both of those descriptors really um, hit home for me. I feel like those are two things that are very much at the heart of how I ex- experience God um, and very much on a feeling sort of gut level. And so I'm, I feel like my, in a way, my theology is sort of catching up to the other part of I feel very deeply the spirit of God, and so for me through worship, that's um, that would be my main sort of um, conduit of how I feel the spirit. Um, but realizing, you know, there's a lot of injustice, and it's one thing to sing and to pray, but also I need to I need to catch up and and do the hard work of going through the scripture and really knowing why I believe what I believe. And so I think that's sort of um, where I'm at, I guess. Uh, and I would also, so I grew up in a Baptist church. Um, and so from a young age, I saw women as deacons. So I think I had that modeled for me. And then when I was in high school at another church, realizing, I remember asking my dad why we didn't have any female elders. And that was like, that, that was like the first time that I ever kind of became aware personally of this disparity or this sort of thing that was at play and, um, kind of started this, journey of figuring out, okay, well, why is that, and how does that align with who I believe God to be, and how I was raised to think that women and men can do the same things, um, and was supported, and how to reconcile who I think God is with how I saw the church living that out, so that's, yeah. My name is Michelle, if you don't know me. Um, For me, I think experiencing God began at a very young age. I grew up in a home where my mom left us at a very young age. I was about four years old. And I remember my grandma, who is a very strong, praying um, woman of God, just said to me, you know what? You might not have a mom, but your God is your heavenly father. And so I remember from a very young age, learning that kind of my identity, kind of what we read this morning, that my daughtership came from God. And so growing up, in spite of that, I still felt all of the feelings that kind of go along with um, with having kind of that broken um, family life and learned to kind of quiet myself. And so I became kind of very shy, withdrawn, um, just a very quiet, shy person. And in high school, I had a very powerful encounter um, with God. And that was kind of at a point where I was entering grade 12, really running from the call that God had on my life. I knew from a very young age that that God had called me to something greater. And at that point, just receiving God's healing and becoming whole in myself, um, understood that I had that call. And what do you do with that call when you're a teenager in Saskatchewan? Well, you go to Bible college. And so I remember applying for Bible college, knowing that I had this call in my life, knowing that I wanted to serve Jesus, I wanted to live for him, um, but also feeling kind of that backlash of, oh, but are you going to become like a children's pastor? And I was like, Nope. Um, and also a grandma who, my same praying grandma, um, who had been head of the women's ministries, um, of Saskatchewan and was very high up in that 
kind of womanly role and having her saying, oh, like you're going into ministry. You can follow in my footsteps. You can become leader of WM. And I was like, nope. (laughs) Um, But still kind of feeling unsure of how as a woman that I could enter ministry and still kind of navigate churches and pastoring. Um, so I went to Bible school saying to everyone, oh, I'm just going for one year. I'm just going to get that theology and get what I believe, knowing in my heart that I was like, no, I need to do this. I really want to um, be in ministry. And lucky for me that God knows more than we do, I met my husband, Ryan, and we got married, and he was already pastoring. And so when we got married, um, I was a little, okay, like, it's a two-for-one, you know? Like, he's the pastor, and I'm just kind of the pastor's wife. And so what does that mean? Um, But I am so blessed that I not only have a husband who recognized those gifts and that calling in my life, but also the leadership of the church that allowed us both to grow up as we were babies (laughs) and so young, um, but to allow us both to grow up in our gifts and in our ministry and allow me to have a voice when I realized that, yes, I do have a voice and I can use the gifts that God has called me. And um, yeah, after a few years of being a mom, we have three beautiful children. And now that they're all in school and growing up, I found myself at a point where I was like, okay, I still have this call of God in my life. And now what am I going to do? And so I feel as a newly appointed leadership team member, I feel like this is a theme this morning, um, that this is just kind of that next step in the in the plans that God has for me. And he's calling me um, kind of back into a leadership role. And yeah, excited to see what comes next. Good morning. Uh, my name is Marseille, and I'm not on the leadership team. <laughs> um, there's a scripture that says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And um, there's also this great author, Henry Nowen, who wrote in his book, Here and Now, that we need to read and see everything through spiritual eyes. And so for myself... Um, I've probably encountered God in every way possible, in everything that is in this earth. Um, and I've tried to see him and experience him through, through everything, to see and read everything through spiritual eyes. So in storms and in silence, I have encountered God through scripture and through books and through movies, through TV shows, definitely through music, uh, through other people in creation by way of visions in prophecy and through the speaking of tongues. He listens when I call, and when he calls, I listen. He walks with me and he talks with me. Um, and so I encounter God in very powerful ways, and I have since I was young. Um, uh, as Miranda and uh, Michelle both said, I remember experiencing God's strong presence with me from the time I was like, maybe the most vivid first memory is when I was 10 years old. 
And I remember just being in my bed, and his very powerful presence was just upon me. And I also remember one time walking through a cemetery, and I was dancing, and I'm not a great dancer, but um, I was dancing through the tombstones and singing, and again, he was there with me. He was dancing and singing with me. Um, his spirit speaks to my spirit, and his scripture, his script, his scripture leaps to life. I, it just seems in just the right moment. And there have been many times, like just yesterday, when I was reading Psalm 130, 139, um, which is a very well-known passage, and it just cut me to the core, and I found myself weeping. And then I started to watch the shack, <laughs> and I found myself weeping again. And so. God is constantly calling me and um, inviting me to walk with him and, and to meet with him. And at a professional level as well, um, every choice I've ever made, whether it was to get into youth ministry in, in my early 20s, to go live in Bolivia, to return here to Hamilton and work with Indwell, um, God has just given me clear guidance uh, through scripture, uh, by speaking to my heart through other people. He has certainly called me um, at every turn that I've ever had to make. This past year has been a tough year for me. Um, I've struggled with my mental health for the first time in my life. I've had a lot of anxiety, and so this year I've encountered God in my pain. And um, he's been very real and very present and still calls me uh, to do his work at Indwell and um, here in this community as well. So in hearing, thank you for sharing that. Um, in hearing the ways that God has called you, has called you to um, be obedient and to has just been with you, how then has have you navigated that? Have you navigated the calling from God? And what has that looked like in terms of the context, um, specifically in being a woman in the church? And how, yeah, how have you been shaped by that? And maybe also like the ways that you're currently living into that calling. We don't have to start. All right. <laughs> we'll keep it, keep the flow going. Um, so I have to admit when uh, Matt asked me to be on this panel, I felt very uh, unworthy of <laughs> being amidst um, these women. And I feel like I, I feel the calling of leadership very strongly on my life, but I actually don't really know what that looks like. Um, and I don't know if it's, something in the future, or I, I feel this feeling that God is preparing me for a work. And um, I, uh, I ironically studied, sort of majored in leadership in school this year. And so I, I've been digging a lot into what does leadership look like, uh, particularly in, in the nonprofit sector, but I've learned a lot about myself in the process and sort of what my own giftings and what my what I consider good leadership to be. And something that really has stuck with me this year is leaders are people that add value to the people around them. And if that's people in your church, in your family, in your workplace, what are ways that you can be doing that? And that's something that was really convicting for me. Um, another thing that we talk a lot about in school is there's, and we know it well in the church, this idea of servant leadership. And I know in our community, we have a lot of servant leaders, um, but there's another sort of stream of leadership, which is transformational leaders. Um, and I know we also have a lot of those. And I think we have people that are both. And transformational leadership, um, those are people that sort of are able to call us to something higher and to something beyond what we can see that, that's right in front of us. Um, and I think that's something that has really been on my heart um, because I, th I feel very strongly that for our community, there is something that is waiting for us. 
um, and something that I think God is like calling us to. My third point is crying. I actually, <laughs> I realize like I cry a lot when I speak in, in public. I don't know why. It's actually so inconvenient. Um, <laughs> especially when you're like speaking, um, like a few months after 541 opened, I was speaking to a group of cross-culture students and we had a really hard day and there was like 300 youth and I just came up, I took the microphone and I basically started bawling in front of them. And then that's become a pattern again, which is just not awesome for me. Um, but it actually illustrates my next point that I wanted to say, which is I think um, I've realized the importance of leading from a place of vulnerability. And I think especially when we're talking about women, um, I, I'm one of two women that sits on an all-male board right now. Um, and I'm also the only millennial, for lack of a better term. And I feel very intimidated by that. And the other, the other day in a meeting, I was talking about something that I was very passionate about. And I started, like, my, similar to right now. And, but I hear God saying, no, that's okay. That's actually what we need. It's not, it's not, it's not weakness. And I think when we talk about leadership and power and gender, part of it is inverting these, like, ideas that we have about what strength looks like, and strength is actually, if we look at Jesus, it's not what we in our culture think it is. It can actually be weeping, and it can be leading from a place where um, being very open about the things that you're not good at and the things that make you weep and all those sorts of things. Um, for me, what I feel like where I'm at right now is is to be being able to do that, I think, gives other people the freedom to lean into their own vulnerabilities and gives people the freedom to say that they're not okay or to, um, yeah, release whatever they need to release. And so I think that's something that I'm trying to do right now in, in my own life, but also I think as a community. Um, so, yeah. I think for me, a big... I've had the opportunity to kind of be involved with many different um, streams of ministry from youth pastoring to working with Live Different and traveling coast to coast and then kind of having that time of discipling my own children and being at home um, and now kind of stepping out in who I will become, I guess. And I think in leadership, your identity can kind of change and shift. Um, but the one thing to remember and to keep constantly in the, in the forefront of your mind is just where your identity comes from and that we are children of God. We are children of God. Um, and like we read, yeah, there's no male, there's no female. And God has given each of us kind of those gifts and those abilities and, um, to step out in those things, um, even just where you are. I feel like the last few years I've been more in the community and allowing God to use me in the community and just taking every day to ask God what he has for me in that day and try and be open to talking with people or meeting a need or just sharing my story. I feel like story is such a great part of being a vulnerable leader of someone who is willing to just lay it all out there and say, this is me. This is what God has done. And just allowing those, that open handed posture of allowing God to use you as a leader in whatever sphere you are in, whether that's your workplace or your family, um, just wherever you are allowing God to, um, 
call those um, those gifts forth. And your passions, I think, have a great, like Miranda said, like a big part of of who you are. And to, um, yeah, I hope that in the next little bit, I feel like I'm kind of in that beginning journey again of leadership as in, I don't know what I'm doing for the next couple of years, but I know that God is leading me and I'm just really excited to have that open-handed posture of God, use me however you want. Um, I guess I'd say that for more than half of my life, I've accepted that women should not teach men and that the head of women was men and that I somehow needed some kind of male leadership in my life. Um, I grew up in, in a pretty conservative church where only men had positions of leadership. Even though I was affirmed in my giftings and in my ability to lead, and I was asked to lead in friendship club and Sunday school and for youth groups, and I went on mission trips, I was never, ever allowed to occupy the pulpit. <laughs> the pulpit was holy ground. And if I had something to say, it had to be after the service. And even after the service, I couldn't say it from the pulpit. <laughs> I had to say it uh, from the ground, um, and I accepted this um, when I was younger. I even recall um, at probably age 14 or so, we, we came to our church, and uh, half our church and the pastor had up and left. We didn't know it. Um, they left a note on the consistory table saying that they were leaving and starting their own church, and one of the main reasons that they left and split up our church was because the denomination was talking about having women in leadership. And so I definitely didn't grow up um, in a culture or a community that allowed women to, to have uh, positions of leadership. Um, and yet I was told I was a leader. So it was a little conflicting. Um, and then when I went to work for Youth for Christ in Tilsonburg, I was asked uh, to speak in a United Church, which as a Christian reform person, the United Church was like, <laughs> was considered a pretty, pretty uh, lost group of people. And so I felt conflicted about that. And then I also felt conflicted about actually preaching, but I didn't call it preaching. Um, it was sharing. Um, but I prepared this, this, this message. Um, about the Beatitudes and got a, got a lot of good feedback about it and, and loved it. I enjoyed the whole process, uh, putting together the message, sharing the message, and, and then talking with people afterwards. I really believe that if I had grown up um, knowing that women could be in leadership and um, if I had seen it modeled, I think I probably would have gone to seminary. <laughs> I probably would have uh, become a minister, um, and I probably would have wanted uh, to, to be a, a, a spiritual leader in a church. Um, but I didn't do that. Um, instead, I, I went into youth ministry and, and used my gifts abroad uh, for many years. And, and those were good things, too. Um, I don't regret those things either. Um, I believe, as we saw in the scripture and, and heard in the scripture, that um, we're, we're, we're ushering in a, a kingdom where there is no male, no female, no Jew, no Gentile, no slave, no, nor free. And so um, I believe that's what we're called to do uh, during this time as well. Um, I believe that Christ is my head, and if he calls me to do something, I'm going to do it. Uh, so except for a bit of this past year, I have felt... Um, really good in positions of leadership. This past year, I've, because of 
what I've gone through in this past year and, and a lot of anxiety, I have um, declined opportunities uh, for leadership. Um, but I know that moving forward, that, that God is going to grow something out of this and that he will continue to call me into positions of leadership and to be a leader in this community and in this church. Thanks, Marce. I think it's important that you share some of those places where you've been coming from, too. And I, if you've been around for a while, Marseille has shared beautiful messages with us, and I feel hugely impacted. I often think of the words that you've shared with us. So I think it's really cool that we can highlight different journeys and highlight that, you know, for some of us, we've been open and, and able to step into the ways that we've been called. And for some of us, we've been really restricted by that. Um, I'm wondering if you can share just lastly maybe in light of either some of the challenges that have come forth or maybe just in the ways that you've already stepped out in faith and, and just like stepped into God's calling. Um, could you give us some, some ways like challenge us moving forward? What are some ways that um, we can encourage the women in our community and, and actually all of us to just sort of live into, into God's calling? Um. It's kind of fitting that this is Mother's Day as well because um, when we were praying before the service, like we worship a God who is our Father, and we are, um, you know, all those attributes that we ascribe to fathers, the protector, and all those other things. But God is also the embodiment of motherhood as well, and that He is, He cares for us and He nurtures us, and He's so gentle. And so I think when we talk about gender and as a, as a society and especially as a, as the church, I think we've sort of put people's giftings into two camps. But if you look at our church, like we have so many men in this community who are caring and who are thoughtful and who are amazing at children's ministry. Um, and we also have so many women who are strong speakers and preachers and, um, and so I think it's it's not just like a, a women thing. I think it's a thing about gender that we all need to sort of navigate together as a community and realize like giftings are just giftings. And that's, I think, something that I feel very challenged by. Um, and I think another thing that for me, when I think about gender, like we are three women of a much larger community of women in this church. And we definitely don't represent the experiences of all women in this church Um and particularly, we don't represent the experience of racialized women or newcomer women or women that have much different experiences and much ad additional um, obstacles and oppressions. Um, because I think the, the word oppression, I'm not going to get all social working on you, but uh, is a word that comes up a lot when we talk about gender um, and people that are face barriers um, to being who they are called to be. And so for me, my hope is that this would just be the start of a much longer conversation about a number of other things because um, all oppression is linked. And so we can talk about um, empowering our women, the women in our community, but for me, I would hope that we would talk about um, barriers that we can re be removing for other people. And um, I think God's longing to free us from some of these things is much bigger than this tip of the iceberg that for me today's conversation is. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about using our power. Um, and I think that that is something as women, but also as a church community that we need to use our voice and our power to speak on behalf of those who don't have a voice, those who are oppressed, those who, um, 
just need someone to come alongside and advocate for them. Um, and I think as individuals, I would challenge and encourage you that each one of us as children of God created in his image, we each have a calling and a purpose from God. And to take this moment today just to think about your gifts and even sometimes I think as women, as mothers, sometimes we think that that is just kind of our lot in life, that we need to stay at home and take care of the kids. Um, but I know for some of you, there is that greater um, desire and that greater passion inside of you. And just to encourage you to, to just begin to volunteer even, or just take that step of faith um, to not have fear of um, what people might think. Um, and yeah, as, as you step out, God will step in and give you the strength because we are not called to do it all on our own. We're, God will give us strength. And, and I hope that people in this community will rally around you and support you as well. And yeah, as just thinking about kind of women in leadership and women who have been an example to me, I remember as a little girl sitting at my grandma's feet and reading um, the book of Esther, and she was telling me the story of Esther. And one line that always has stood out to me um, in leadership and just in life was that Esther was called at such a time as this is kind of what we remember. But there's also the part where it says, if you stay silent, someone else will rise up. And so I just encourage all of us that now is our time to rise up and to begin these conversations and to just see um, what the Bible is actually telling us about, about these issues. And above all, just to be Jesus to the people that we meet. Um, <clears throat> so I guess uh, I got two, two little challenges here. Uh, maybe not so little. I don't know. Um, so I love scripture. Um, I think scripture is beautiful. Um, it has spoken to me powerfully throughout my whole life. Like I mentioned before, sometimes it just like leaps off the page, pops right out and speaks to me at just the right time. Um, scripture is life-giving. It's useful for teaching us and guiding us. Um, but at the same time, I think we've got to stop just taking it at face value. Um, we're reading an, an interpretation, uh, an English translation that needs a lot more work to understand what was really being said. And that's something that I've come to learn um, as I've gotten older. Um, we've got to do our homework when we're reading scripture and we need to make an effort to understand what the, who the writer was, who the writer was speaking to, who the audience was, what was the context in which it was written. And then I think we can truly understand um, what a scripture is speaking to us. It's a lot more nuanced uh, than I once believed because I used to just take it as at face value. And sometimes it is, but sometimes we do need to do a little digging to understand what, what is really being said. Um, I would also say um, that we need to be, as a community, um, as aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, as parents, we need to be careful of the messages that we're sending and communicating to our children and our young people. 
Um, the narrative that I've heard and still hear over and over again to little girls is that you should find a man, get married, and have kids. And that just doesn't happen for everybody. So um, we need to really watch what we're saying to our to our boys and our girls, to those to those who maybe don't even identify in one of those categories. Um, so maybe your little girl isn't as girlish as you want her to be, or maybe your little boy isn't as boyish as you want him to be. Just let's love our children. Let's let them be who they were created to be. Let's model God's love for them. Let's teach them about Jesus. And that's what really counts. Um, and so Let's do a little bit more homework when we're reading the Bible, and let's watch for the messages that we're sending to our children. Thank you so much. I had uh, a few things that I wanted to make sure that we talked about in this conversation that I had noted, and you all three, you're leaving me. <laughs> you all three said that took the words out of my mouth. Um, and I mean, I think really important what Miranda was sharing about um, yeah, we, we recognize, and as we had this conversation, that we are, are four women standing up here who um, hold privilege of our own. And so recognizing that exactly, this is more of a, more than just for women, that we want to talk about power, which Michelle shared so beautifully, and um, that we talk about setting aside our own power so that people who are vulnerable, people who haven't typically had a voice, are able to stand up and live into the calling and to, to walk beside Jesus, that that is all of our calling and that we can do that better if we recognize where we have power and we step aside and, and give space for somebody else. Um, and yeah, the, like I was saying, just that there, there may be some of us in this, in this conversation that this is really tough because we have felt really excluded in some way or another, whether that's based on our gender, based on our identity, based on our race, based on how we present, um, our socioeconomic status. We just want to recognize that these are conversations we want to keep coming and opening our hearts to um, where God calls us as a community, but also individually that we can just open ourselves to have conversations. And that goes back to our conversation about unity. Um, and then just, uh, Marseille talked a little bit about advocating and Michelle too, that sometimes when we're advocating for ourselves in a space, it can be exhausting. Um, and, and for others as well, that that's an exhausting process. And so the more that we allow um, other, like we do that alongside other people who don't have a voice, that is that is where God wants us to be. That's where Jesus spent his time. Um, and we just want to live into that. And then lastly, I wanted to talk very briefly about just like the way that we listen. Um, sometimes we make assumptions about where other people stand or, I mean, talk about gender roles. There's so many assumptions that we don't do that on purpose, but like Marseille was sharing, just so important the messages that we share with our little ones that there doesn't have to be this assumption about what that looks like and that we are listening to one another, that we're opening our hearts and slowing down and getting to know other people. Um, I, I think we already was kind of shared about representation, but how, where are all genders um, and all people, I should say, represented on our leadership, on up here in our worship? Is everyone represented in making breakfast and in our, um, our children's ministry? Just being cognizant of that and, and kind of reminding ourselves because we can just get into a grind of things. Um, I wanted to share a quote from Rachel Held Evans. As many of you probably know that she passed away this week and she was a woman who um, was a strong leader in, in 
opening spaces for people who were vulnerable and um, kind of breaking down hierarchy. So I just wanted to share this little short quote, which is, imagine if every church became a place where everyone is safe, but no one is comfortable. Imagine if every church became a place where we told one another the truth. We might just create sanctuary. And my prayer for St. Clair and, and our prayer as we had this conversation was that we can just create safer spaces and spaces that um, are uncomfortable because we, we honestly do our best growing when we're uncomfortable and that's a really important space. Um, it's not a coincidence that we shared this message on Mother's Day. We know that Mother's Day is a, is a day that um, is filled with beautiful joy for so many mothers in this community that I look out to who I admire, um, but also a day of, of grief. Um, many of us have either lost a mother or maybe lost a child. Um, many of us are grieving the loss of not being a mother and, and longing to be a mother. Um, many of us have, have just difficulty as we come into a day of mother, Mother's Day and we want to recognize you. We see you. We want to sit with you and, and say that God as our mother is, is loving on us and, um, is here for us. So I want to pray for Marseille, Michelle and, uh, Miranda. And for all of us in our community as we kind of enter into some of these conversations and, and continue our morning. God, thank you so much for the spaces that you open us up to. We thank you that you have been present in, in so many people's lives and the way that you are working has started from when we were so young. Um, I thank you for Marseille and Miranda and Michelle and the ways that they have been great examples of leadership in our community, in St. Clair, in our neighborhood, and, and beyond in their workplaces, and in so many different areas that they have been living into your calling. And I just pray that as we hear words that might be heavy, that might bring up stories for some of us of, of where we have been excluded, um, I pray that you hold us dear and that we reach out to you and recognize that we more than anything are just image bearers of you and that our identity lies in you, that we don't have to fall into a specific category or a box that um, when we're with you, we can just be your child. Thank you for that. I pray for Mother's Day as we celebrate our moms and we celebrate so many amazing women in our community. I pray that we also remember those who um, might be struggling today, that we can um, sit in your grace and just sit in those uncomfortable emotions and know that you are with us. Um, be with us as St. Clair, that we open up spaces, that we use our power well, and that we can um, honor you in our conversations. Thank you for your presence. Amen. Um, so I'm going to lead us now in a time of communion. And uh, given that it's Mother's Day, um, I'm just going to start before we take communion with a little um, kind of exercise that will help us maybe connect to the mystery of Christ that we remember in these elements in, um, in a different way. Sometimes the mystery of Christ and remembering with um, bread and juice is can be kind of separate from our physical experience. Um, and today we're just going to take a minute and kind of connect to the imprint of Christ um, that we see in mothers. 
So um, I'll just, I, I also, I know very well that there's many people in this room that maybe have a really um, challenging or complicated relationship with motherhood. Um, so I'll just invite all of us to call to mind either your own mother or a loving mother in your life. Maybe it's a mother-like figure. Um, maybe it's a good friend of yours who you really admire the way that they mother and love their children. And if you're comfortable, just close your eyes, and I'm going to read a poem um, by Alison Woodward. And uh, yeah, it'll help us to, I think, connect to the mystery of Christ. To be a mother is to suffer, to travail in the dark, stretched and torn, exposed in half-naked humiliation, subjected to indignities for the sake of new life. To be a mother is to say, this is my body, broken for you. And in the next instant, in response to the created's primal hunger, this is my body, take and eat. To be a mother is to self-empty, to neither slumber nor sleep. So attuned you are to the cries in the night, offering the comfort of yourself and assurances of, I'm here. To be a mother is to weep over the fighting and exclusions and wounds your children inflict on one another, to long for reconciliation and brotherly love, and when all is said and done, to gather all parties, the, the offender and the offended, into the folds of your embrace, and to whisper in their ears that they are beloved. To be a mother is to be vulnerable, to be misunderstood, railed against, blamed, for the heartaches of the bewildered children who don't know where else to cast the angst they feel over their ex own existence in, it, in this perplexing universe. To be a mother is to hoist onto your hips those on whom your image is imprinted, bearing the burden of their weight, rejoicing in their returned affection, delighting in their wonder, bleeding in the presence of their pain. To be a mother is to be accused of sentimentality in one moment and injustice in the next. To be the receiver of endless demands, absorber of perpetual complaints, reckoner of bottomless needs. To be a mother is to be an artist, a keeper of memories past, weaver of stories untold, visionary of lives looming ahead. To be a mother is to be the first voice listened to and the first disregarded. To be a mender of broken creations and comforter of the distraught children whose hands wrought them. To be a mother is to be a touchstone and the, the source, bestower of names, influencer of identities, life giver, life shaper, empath, healer, and original love.
Hi everyone, I'm Diane and uh, this morning I get to uh, read a beautiful prayer to all mothers in our community as our benediction and our benediction is just simply a time when we get to bless um, you all. So I would love to read this prayer for you. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badges of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriages, fail adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk in the hard part of infertility, infertility, froth with pokes and prods, tears and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it already is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationship relationships with your children, we celebrate you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experience abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and all the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you have longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex parts. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who have empty nesters, empty nesters coming this year, we grieve and we rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart. And we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. So Sinclair, this prays for all women in our community this morning. May the peace of Christ be with you. Amen. <laughs>